Welcome to Fast Cars, Fast Girls. We are your IndyCar experience. And this week, we are actually diving into the world of NHRA. Molly and I got a great introduction to that a couple weeks ago, and we've got with us uh, Leah Pruitt. So, Leah, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed meeting you guys in person the other week, and uh, now we get to talk about some cool stuff. We do. We do. So, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, we're actually living up to the name. We got got a a lady on who's super, super fast. That was it. That was my little plug. We do. We have, yeah, we have a very fast woman on with us today. So, so Leah, you got into drag racing pretty young. I did. So I, I began dry racing when I was eight years old, racing a five horsepower Briggs and Stratton gasoline powered junior car going, I don't know, probably like a whopping 29 miles an hour. And uh, I guess one of the questions that I get most, uh, most often is, you know, how do you, like, how does an eight-year-old little girl just start drag racing? So yeah. it it began with my my father, like a lot of stories. Um, he was a land speed racer, though. He wasn't a drag mm-hmm. racer. He he didn't own or hold uh, an NHRA license. He'd never been on a drag strip before. He was a street racer. So, yeah, I mean, his need for speed, he took it out on the Bonneville Salt Flats. And awesome. He built I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, he took it to another safe place. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so I got to watch him growing up uh, set world records in the 1988 Ford powered naturally aspirated Thunderbird weighed like almost 8,000 pounds. And the records he was going after were about 250 to 270 miles an hour. And, but it was very limited. Uh, and so the, the land speed world is very limited on the times you can run. It's two meets a year in Bonneville, about six meets a year in uh, the dry lake bed in California. She's like, man, I really, I really want to do something with my girls. Um, I'm an older sister, and I want to do motorsports. And at that time, the NHRA had started the Junior Drag Racing League uh, in the early 90s. And so, man, anywhere that there was a broken or an old shut-down um, airstrip or uh, a backyard, you know, eighth-mile drag strip, that's where we went. And as I grew older... Uh, we got faster cars. I started doing well in points and then expanding from Southern California to more of the Western states. And then by the time I was 12, we were traveling cross country to Indianapolis, Grand Bend, um, Canada, Tennessee, like all these cool places as a young kid that, you know, you don't, you don't ever get to see. So <laughs> I knew, I, I knew I loved racing and, uh, you know, on the weekends I'd watch, when I wasn't racing, I'd watch the big guys, John Force and Eddie Hill, um, you know, tear it up in the Pedagons. And, and uh, meanwhile, you know, I'm doing the junior league. So that's how I got started. <laughs> that awesome. is really, really cool. I, I just, I always enjoy hearing how people get started in, in racing. Cause usually they're like, yeah, you know, the need for speed is just within, in your blood. It sounds like so that's super, super cool. Very awesome. That is. Well, and we got to see some of the uh, junior leagues when we were out at um, Lucas Oil <laughs> Raceway. And, you know, you're standing there and uh, and Pat was like, hold on, hold on. I love to watch. I love to watch the littler kids. And it was it was the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was it was awesome. I love. And, you know, and, and Pat talked to us about how there's 
so much of a, a family atmosphere in NHRA that it's whole families that participate and um, just how involved kind of every every member of the team is. Absolutely. That's that's what they, they founded that series with. And I think like any regular traditional sport and, and motorsports, you have, you have karting. Um, the younger you start the kids, you know, the younger that the interest is there, because as they get older, the competition for interest and where you kind of want what direction you want your life to go just becomes more broad. So, you know, even if it's from a BMX bike, a motocross bike or karting, uh, the younger you can get them. So now the NHRA has it where you, the entry level is five years old. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> like you've got these kids in kindergarten that, uh, <laughs> that are able to stage a car and, and learn the tree and understand sportsmanship and some type of, you know, handling of a car at that young age. And I was watching those races too, that you guys were on that night of all these kids with their parents. And you probably could tell too, you've got the, you've got the extreme racer parents that are like probably taking it way more seriously than the kids. <laughs> <laughs> And then you've got the kids that really know what they're doing and they're laying the hammer down. So it's a, it's a great segue into any of the various NHRA classes that are available, entry-level ones. And that's what, you know, for those listeners that might not know, the NHRA has, uh, I mean, over a dozen different classes from top sportsmen, top super comp, um, top eliminator, uh, stock, super stock, factory stock. There's, all these different classes that cater to speeds, uh, the price of entry level of buying a car, you know, number of races to run in a series, whether it's regional or national. And it, uh, you know, really leads up to the speeds of what I do today, which mm-hmm. is top fuel, which is the quickest um, drag race cars on the planet. Not, not necessarily the fastest. The fastest ones belong to the funny cars. But yet they are about a tenth, tenth and a half slower than uh, than the top fuel cars. So for those of the racing junks that are listening right now, you can definitely have a quicker vehicle, uh, but you can have a faster vehicle that's not as quick. <laughs> it's true. And so yeah, um, so Pat Caparoli showed us all around and and said, you know, one of the, that there's three different numbers that you guys show, and the first one is the reaction speed from the time that it goes green to the time that the driver starts to drive. And then there's the time it takes you to go the, you know, the set distance and then the speed that you hit. And so that reaction time is a huge factor for you guys. It is massive. It can uh, make or break a race, no doubt. And when you look at the engineering of these cars, there's, oh. there's 10 mechanics and two crew chiefs typically um, that work full time, drive the rigs, put together these high dollar machines, and you have extensive engineering by, you know, OE for us at Dodge. And to put together almost 12,000 horsepower, apply it to the ground, it's such an incredible feat. Uh, and and uh, there's a reason I'm not a crew chief, is my mind doesn't work that way. I'm not a math and science whiz. But as much as you can put together this hot rod and blister it on down there and have a quicker car than the guy next to you, if you cannot leave the line and smash that gas pedal harder and faster than the other guy, you're going to lose the race. So the reaction time for a driver is the largest portion of, uh, of what we do to get off the line. And then from there going down the strip, 
negotiating the driving portion of such a high-powered vehicle and what could happen during that run from smoking the tires to them chattering from being underpowered to a cylinder going out, which is, you know, over 1,200 horsepower per cylinder. That's a lot of inertia that wants to swiftly move you across your traction track into maybe a non-traction zone. And so you, it's really about reacting in the car and all the different times during on down the track. So leaving the starting line, your reaction time there, and then reacting to what the car is doing down the track and recovering it very quickly are what the driver adds to the, the make or break wind light in, in addition to, of course, the car and the team and everything goes in. So it's a very much, it's a huge team sport. And yeah. I think just like in a lot of other motorsports, the drivers get the, you know, they hoist the wally in the metal and they get all the accolades and they're the, the star of it. But it is, it's no different than the other ones, how integral of a part every person plays in making everything perfect to get that win line. Absolutely. And something that I, that I found cool just as we were walking around um, is, you know, because we'll see IndyCar drivers, you know, in and around the garages and things like that. But I don't feel like we see as many of them, you know, at point blank range with the engines as we saw at NHRA. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, it just it you know it, it it seems like the the drivers are are even more more involved in just the small things of the car itself more than just being behind the wheel. Absolutely, and NHRA has done a great job of making a you know a staple of how accessible our teams and drivers are. So every ticket is a pit pass. It lets you into, of course the facility into the grandstands down from the grandstands into the pits literally at the ropes and you're two feet away i mean if you stretch far enough you could probably touch the top wing of the car recommend <laughs> that no but <laughs> that's uh that's how close everybody gets to be and we're such a high sensory sport that you know it, it goes beyond just what happens on the track to to in the pit so it's very high sensory for the fans to hear the warm-up of the cars and sometimes the whack of the throttle and get the autographs right then and there in between the tasks that the drivers are doing, which vary between some of them, not not most of them, but some of the nitro racers mix their own fuel, which is a combination of somewhere, somewhere between 88 and 90% nitromethane and uh, 10 to 12% methanol. And that's a tuning feature that the crew chief calls down to the 10th of a percent. So there's, there's a little bit of a wow. science game there. And then... Hmm. The fans get to watch the, the drivers do that. And then something as small as, you know, every feeling of inside that car, of the reverser level, if that feels a little bit off, well, then that's probably a cable issue. And there's, if there's a cable issue that cable issue that you feel in the pit on the warm-up, probably you don't want to have that happen on the track. So being in tune with, you know, slacking the throttle or tracking of the car from, a, from an alignment or tow or camber caster standpoint Everything, the quicker a driver can feel what's happening in the pit and see something, the quicker that problem can be resolved so that when you're on the track, it's, those issues don't happen. That's, yeah, I mean, you guys are just really in tune with those cars. I mean, you go in those speeds, I feel like you, you have to. How in the world, thinking of reaction time and controlling so much power, you know, how would you train for that? Is there special things you do to increased reaction time or man it just boggles my mind (laughs) well 
so your brain is a your brain is a muscle just like anything else. And so from the driving of the car, reacting to what the car is doing, that just takes conditioning and that takes laps. And so as I mentioned before, the NHRA has so many different categories that have different um some speed allotments, some are different differently restricted to uh, the rules, regulations that cap a speed off, like talk, top alcohol or, uh, or oh. top alcohol funny car. But so I, I guess the way that I came up through it was the literally probably the slowest drag car in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh-huh. I graduated and built cars and catered my education and my entire career to advancing into a, 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 you know, a, a higher, more powerful car. And there's about six different levels, um, junior dragsters, nostalgia eliminator one, nostalgia funny car, pro mod, nitro funny car, and then top fuel. So uh, I I have been able to condition my mind over the last 20 years of absorbing the, you know, what's happening speed wise for the vision of your brain. But when it comes to practicing reaction times, there are some, there's some small hand, eye, foot um, coordinating trees that that we that you practice on you can put them anywhere some people have simulators of a cock like a cockpit that's old and and you have a pedal that's very similar to yours and you practice that but there's there's nothing there's nothing like i you know nascar and indycar and trucks and such have eye racing and they simulate tracks and you know the entire seat can move but like in this uh there really is nothing that even compares to preparing for hitting the gas when something is just uh, even idling, shaking, just oh. brrr, shaking, <laughs> and you're in charge <laughs> holding back a car that's got a ton of stall or a ton of tug. And uh, the more runs, the better. And honestly, <laughs> the the harder ovaries you got, the uh, you know the better you're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I do too. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's only one way to prepare, and that's just kind of go out and do that. Yeah, I can see that. There's, there is that, and then there is the weight aspect to it. So for mm-hmm. us women, right, we're trying to be in as best shape as possible. And for us right now, we're in the middle of the season, and we're racing in Indianapolis in, in July and August. Oof. And the ultimate heat muggy outside yeah. for 18 hours i think the only time we ever sit down is when we're in the car and we're wearing these extremely thick fireproof um clothing and head socks and double gloves and boots and shoes and all of that so if you don't prepare your body for extreme circumstance extreme situations and you go yeah. and do that you are going to suffer so on the off times my uh, preparation is running miles five to 10 miles a couple of times a week in the muggy, in the heat things oh. require agility and, and trying to stay in as high of physical condition I can, as well as staying light because like a jockey, the, the lighter of a driver you are, the better it is for where you can proportion weight in the car. So there's a minimum, there's a minimum weight that we all have to meet, whether you're 250 pound driver or 150 pound driver, uh, but the but the advantage is a lighter driver who sits in the center of the basically the center of the car from a weight management standpoint um, is 
you want to be able to, if you have to add weight to the car, add it to the back to traction or add it to the front to keep the wheels down. So uh, definitely keeping your weight in check uh, is, is a big portion to me and making sure that I don't overheat and exhaust myself and I can uh, compete in two categories on the same weekend and hopefully win in both. Yeah. 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 And that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, all right. So you do the top fuel, um, and then what's the other category? So the other category that I compete in is the factory stock showdown, Samtech factory stock showdown. And that is a completely world of difference. And it can probably be two more <laughs> different vehicles to drive. We've got this 335 mile an hour slingshot of a dragster, uh, heads up racing. Uh, you know, pure ingenuity, 10, 10 career guys, and the top pinnacle of drag racing. And then factory is the highest pinnacle of drag racing in regards to what OEs build. So basically it's a class where the top three in Detroit, Dodge, Chevy, mm. and Ford, build a race car that anybody can buy. Literally, you go to a dealership and you go, I want a Dodge drag pack. I want a Ford Cobra Jet. I want a Chevy Copo Camaro. When you buy these cars, that's what this class is for. So it's when you're, when I'm racing them, I'm racing not only for myself, but I'm racing on behalf and carrying the Dodge banner and flag and representing what SRT and their engineers have been able to build a true race car from factory. And that it's so it's crazy because you have fans of factory that don't care, you know, they care less about top fuel and you got hardcore nitro loving racers that, that love the speed and, and the excitement and the soul piercing portion of nitro racing that don't, you know, that, that don't maybe cross over to the fully suspension, you know, a door car, 3,500 pound door car uh, that's got a three speed and it's also heads up but it goes 175 miles an hour. So it's a, it's a very cool dynamic. So I've, so I'll rotate between two pit areas, my two teams, two cars and uh, two different suits and helmets and driving styles. So for me, when I, when I leave in the top fuel car, just to kind of simplify things, the reaction there is with my right foot, got my clutch on the left, my my throttle on the right and my brake is a is a handbrake. And when I see the yellow ambers turn, the moment I see that, you know, it's full throttle with your with your throttle foot. Now in the factory car, which sometimes I've gone back to back within minutes, like Oof. out of one into the other one because it's prepped and staged and in the lanes for me. In the factory car, your reaction time there is as soon as your stage lights are lit. You hold you hold your brake foot down. You don't have a clutch. Brake foot down, throttle to the floor, and it puts it on what's called a two-step, which cuts cylinders out but raises the RPM. And as soon as those same three ambers come down, my reaction time is from how quick can I release my left foot off the brake to deactivate that two-step, fire on all all cylinders, and rev and and take the rev from you know 3,200 up to up to whatever it might be, 79. So Reaction with your right foot versus reaction with your left foot. And I think the worst thing in the world is if you ever mess those two up. And <laughs> yeah. 
No, I'm, as you're as you're talking, I'm I'm just thinking. I have one car that's a manual, one car that's an automatic, and it doesn't happen very often. But yeah, I have been known to uh, step on the brake in the automatic, thinking that it's the clutch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, nope, nope. Your foot's still on the gra- on the gas. You're you're not you're not in that car right now. <laughs> so that's cool. Well, and something that uh, you know that you had mentioned to us that is different about that particular class than anything else is, you know, you can't, you can't walk into Delara and buy your own IndyCar. Um, whereas, you know, an everyday person can, like you said, walk into dealership and it's, it's like a, a race car in a box. You can build your own race car. Absolutely. And of course, to be, you know, ultra competitive, there are going to be some modifications that you make to those cars that you're allowed to do, but that structure is very, um, there are a lot of rules and regulations. But you all you all start with the same, and you know you can upgrade suspension, and you know you you start off with whichever blower that they mandate you to have, and power from there can go into you know your dyno setup and who you have that rebuilds your engines and find power there. So that's where you take um, that's where you take the OE, and and if you're a racer and you want to race, then it's cool. You get to do racer things, so you're not limited to exactly what you buy at the dealership, but that's where it starts. And then who can, you know, who can implement and be the most creative in the ways to make more power given the rules and regulations that you have. And I just, I love it so much because the, how I got into it was I'm racing top fuel for Mopar and Dodge. And I know, I knew that these cars existed and I've seen them and they pull these wild wheelies sometimes off the line. Like <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> When you pull the wheelie up, the fronts aren't just dangling a foot or two. I mean, they're verted basically and riding on the wheelie bars. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks scary. <laughs> it's like, oh, get out. Um, <laughs> try not to pull wheelies where I come from. So uh, <laughs> to, to see to see that, and so basically, Dodge had said, hey, we know. But what they stand for is major power and major muscle, and there's a large grassroots base, sportsman base. That's what makes up most of drag racing. And they said, we need to be at the track more. We need to have more support from uh, from factory to all these different classes. Because you can run, heck, you can run the, the car I'm talking about, the drag pack, not just in the class I'm talking about right now, but super stock and stock. And you, there's so many applications. And so they said, if we're gonna if we're going to support our grassroots racers, we need to be racing too so that we we know what they're going through. We're there at the track. We can provide assistance. Uh, we can understand, you know, parts, failures, fatigues, victories, and build with it. And But we're going to need to put a car on the track and we're going to need a driver. Leah, are you interested in driving a drag pack and, and being our being our driver? So I'm like, heck yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> my existence really known a professional driver to take on two categories at the same events national events and not only that and then go for world championships so I started in 2017 and in uh, 2018 well 2016 we had a a real big learning process and uh, we evolved the team evolved the cars and 2018, we had a real slow start to the season, and we kept building and building. We won the U.S. Nationals in Indy. We won the last three races of the uh, of the series, and we took home the World Championship. And to this day, that's one of my most prized 
uh, victories in 20 years of racing was getting that championship for Dodge and SRT on behalf of the engineers, behalf of what we did, myself as a driver, uh, being, able, being able to negotiate between both classes and juggle that. That was a, a true victory for me. And when I, I know this is, you know, this is a woman's podcast and car cast and fast cars, fast women. And not only for me to do that, there's no other guys that do that. And so yeah. it was very, it was inspiring for me to inspire other women to go, yeah, they, very difficult to just jump in a top fuel car, just millions of dollars. And, um, it takes, you know, quite a bit of training, but to inspire these moms that have watched their husbands and boyfriends race and now go, you know, I'd like to get into something and that's something I can, we can afford and we can do and we can still run our business. So it uh, really took me to the next level of, of appreciating the fans and, and what I do beyond just my own thrill of driving the cars. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's just, that's just fantastic. And it just builds that fan base even more because then you have more people that are, you know, involved on a personal mm-hmm. level. Absolutely. And we do, we have a, we have a great fan base. I enjoy the competition between the top three because, and you got your diehard, you know, Ford and Chevy guys out there <laughs> and you got these diehard Mopar guys that have been waiting for, you know, for a championship for a long time and, and we brought it to them and, and I, and I like, I mean, I, I love it. They've got a Hellcat or if it's a demon or if it's just a Mopar tattooed on them and uh, they're, they're, they're intense and all the different car clubs across the, across the nation. When I, when we, you know, the typical non COVID year, travel a lot and I get to interact with all the different Mopar car clubs and, uh, and see their cars and, and hang out with them. And it's, uh, it's definitely living, eating and breathing the culture, you know, more than just at the track. And that's, I'm thankful to, I'm very thankful to be able to do that. Very fortunate. And, uh, and I never would have thought of when I was a young girl that I'd be in this position. I was so narrow-minded. I was just like, I want to be a professional race car driver and it has afforded me so much more in a great landscape of, uh, of, of all of motorsports actually. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. You know, that, that brings up something. It was, it was so interesting for us when we were at NHR, you know, when we were at Lucas Oil and, and just kind of Lucas Raceway, my bad. Um, and watching everything, my goodness, there's so much diversity, uh, with, with NHRA, you know, there's, there's, different cultures and then like a whole heck of a lot of female drivers like that's just really amazing to see that honestly absolutely and i think it's because nhra accepted the accepted diversity without even trying so many decades mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's not it's definitely not something new to nhra no no yeah, it's it was yeah. just no, they've, really they've cool had to diversity. See yeah, they they've had they've had diversity for for decades. Uh but yeah, it mm-hmm. was very cool. We were just walking around and we're like, "Oh, god, I love how many female drivers there are. I love how many people of color there are, like involved on the teams, fans, etc." Um, mm-hmm. you know, cuz we don't see as much of that in in IndyCar and it was it was refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and as a woman, it was just awesome. I'm like, "Yes. Yes, I love this." Um, you know, and 
as we were, you know, waiting to meet you, we see a whole line of people standing up to get your autograph. And I'm like, this is awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is super cool. It's an interesting dynamic right now because we're, we're not technically supposed to, uh, you know, we're all six feet apart. So I think uh-huh. a lot of, we've come up with the process of I'll have pre-signed cards. Like I'll sign them. They'll watch me sign them. And then I'll put my hand out and they put their hand out and we take selfies, but we're six feet away. And um, (laughs) still try and make, you know, try and keep it as normal as possible. And I have to say, I'm so proud of our fans that listen, right? We all don't love wearing masks and (laughs) and not outside. (laughs) You can have their opinions, but it's so non-political. It's this is what we have to do to race. And in order to... And, and the fans have been just so great and understanding that they've been, they've been impressive to me. So if we have any fans that are listening now, um, I want to thank you. And if you're a fan of other motorsports and, you know, you're waiting for, you know, your favorite motorsport to come back so you can attend it, just know that you doing your part really does help perpetuate us mm-hmm. getting back on track quicker, faster, you know, to back to normalcy. So uh, appreciation all around oh, absolutely yeah, so that was another thing um so, I, so i'm a nurse in my in my everyday life um and so i'm like i wear masks all the time i understand that people are frustrated with them but at the same time i'm like i don't want to hear you whining to me because i wear masks all the time already <laughs> um and and so that was also amazing and molly and i you know we parked and we're walking over is how many fans we saw with masks and we had just been at road america the weekend prior for indycar I mean, and it was not even close to the same amount of mask usage. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, and people, you know, were respectful in the fact that, you know, we're walking and if we were by ourselves, you know, walking from where we parked, you know, there weren't a lot of people around. So we had our, you know, face coverings pulled down. And then if we were passing somebody, you know, we'd pull ours up, they'd pull theirs up. And then when we got past, we'd, you know, pull them, respectfully pull them back down. And, um, you know, because it's like, if you're outside, not around anybody, that's fine. Um, and it was just this, this whole level of just respect all around it. Um, and like you said, it's not political. It's just what we have to do right now. Exactly. It's that there's, there's people that are attending those events that report back to agencies and are, you know, they're there watching the scope and how different sanctioning organizations Mm -hmm. are, are running their and when we come back with a grade A result, that means that we get to we get to book our next event. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's kind of like we're all going back to school. Everybody, be on your best behavior so we can come back and do that. right so that we can have recess again. Exactly. Heavily yes. <laughs> <laughs> monitored recess. I like that. All right. Yes. So which um, I just read, you guys, the the next set of races is coming up. Um, the, well, not this, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. So August 6th through the 9th. Correct. Yes. And that's here in Indianapolis or just, just west of Indianapolis, just that side at Lucas Oil Raceway. Um, so there is limited attendance. So it's recommended that you buy ahead of time. Um, just make sure you get your ticket if you really want to go. But, uh, but yeah, so you guys obviously, obviously passed whoever was, whoever was walking around. Um, <laughs> So yeah, yeah and we, you're gonna have that. Oh, and it's uh, so that race has been. It wasn't originally on the schedule. Uh, that weekend was 
originally allocated towards an event in Denver and, uh, you know, they're working through some, you know, some details with the state and all of that. So we can eventually have that race there. So in the meantime, uh, that this new race that weekend in Indianapolis is the Dodge Indy Nationals presented by Pennzoil. And it has the exact same amount of points, fans, it's, uh, it, it means just as much as, as any other race. And I really feel lucky for those that are in this, I guess, upper Midwest area for the number of drag races that they're able to attend right now within driving distance because the rest of the country I feel bad for. Yeah. (laughs) Not being able to. We did hear today uh, that Topeka, which was the following weekend, has been postponed. So Uh, so for anybody that was looking forward to that, they have – postponing it to later in the fall so not canceling and uh you know it's a just like with everything it's a living moving organism of of putting these together and we are currently sitting second in points in the top fuel class and I was asked today you know what does what does that mean is there extra pressure being you know second and with these unknown number of races and I said what it feels like is like we're in a perpetual state of the countdown of <laughs> there's uh, traditionally we have 18 races in a normal season and the top 10 in points uh move on points wise into the championship for the countdown and that's you know you really put the heat on there and you use your best equipment and you bring everything you've got and right now that's what we feel like we're in because and I truly believe this is not like for the record or on anybody else's opinion but it's my opinion that I believe we will have definitely a season and be able to get a lot of the events in hopefully like Gainesville and Dallas and Houston and Topeka and you know Brainerd Minnesota they're looking in the right direction that race had been postponed but we're going to have a really heavy fall schedule and this year because we don't have a countdown it's very imperative for us to maintain that high level of intensity no, at any time, at the all time. So, I like I like yeah. living in a world of intensity. So I feel like we are going to do very well. Very <laughs> and uh, of course, it's the year that we'll ne- all never forget. But I even That's I even joked my team earlier this year. I said, Don, that if we can't race California, or if they don't hold, you know, that big fancy banquet in Hollywood, or everybody gets stressed up. I mean, I look forward to that every year. I go, but hey, we'll win a championship, and I don't need no Hollywood banquet to say thank you speech and, and win a top <laughs> That's just fine with me. <laughs> right? It's like, you know what? That trophy will still look just as good, even if we don't have the dinner. <laughs> exactly. And it's, awesome. it's just about a positive mindset. So you're, I mean, you're in the in the healthcare industry and a worker, and you're seeing people every day, which is difficult to, you know, to stay positive all the time, but I encourage everyone listening that the positive mindset is just, it's something that is so strong and it really does breed positive results. Um, If you can manifest that right and and keep the people around you in in high hopes and and looking Mm -hmm. forward to overcoming the night, you know, whatever negative negativity that it is. Um, When we have an issue with the car, we're in a bad slump. You don't dwell on those things. You you search for a way out and how to make the best situation out of something. So, um, you know, that's a very broad statement to have, but 
I try and apply it to every portion of my life and so does my team and I feel and I feel like that's why we've been able to be successful. That is awesome. That's a that's a great way to to look at things. I mean now and every day. So really, really cool. I uh I had one question I really wanted to ask. Um because we got some background information on you and I read that you have called your truck Vanna White. <laughs> Correct. Yes. And I have to hear the story behind this because my my parents are big uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune fans. So I was like, oh wait, I have to know why. <laughs> so I, I don't have that many. I really don't have that many vehicles. My my first vehicle ever, and I still have it today. It was a 2001 Toyota Tacoma that I had in high school, and I uh, I wasn't like a Toyota fan or anything, but I. I like to snowboard and it, it was a four by four by four truck. And so I called it Yoda. Yeah. Like it was Yoda kn- knew all. And my little Yoda knew had, you know, knew <laughs> all. And the, my next favorite vehicle that, that I got was when I teamed up with Dodge. And in 2017, I had got a, um, I got a red Hellcat and mm. I, I thought about it for a while and, I'm like this thing really empowered. It's red, it's bright red, and I'm like, this is a steel rose. It's you know, it a rose means love, and it can have a little bit of thorns, and it's a thorn in someone else's side if they ever try and rub me off. <laughs> it's a big, heavy, fast steel machine. So steel rose, and that's a, that's my daily driver when I live in here in Indianapolis. And when I moved full time to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, I'm a large. Uh, my second passion is wake surfing, so I love the water. And I mm. have a super aeronautique boat uh, that I used to surf with. And I, I started basically a new life out there. And you know, you, you don't just kind of start from scratch out of nowhere. So I teamed up with Anderson Auto, which is a local Dodge dealership there, and represent with them a uh, a Dodge Rebel. 1500 and I'm like man this thing is big it's white it's like very masculine I'm like but I I like all my cars that have women names yep (laughs) yep so putting on these massive tires it's got uh centerline wheels it's got a huge lift on it and after it had gotten lifted I got it out from the shop and I took a picture with it, and I just have my hands open wide, and I'm leaning into it, like, debut, like, ta-da! And here is Vanna White. Like, <laughs> Perfect. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Awesome. That's her. Those are, those are the two cars I own right now that I have, and uh, and so I'm dodged through and through on the racetrack, on the street, and uh you know, I'd love to hear. I don't know if you guys have comment sections, uh, you know, with the podcast or whatnot. But if if the listeners can feed in the names of their vehicles, I think that would be oh, really cool to, to. Oh yeah, that sounds like a great question this week for all I, our. Listeners. I believe that that's going to happen. Yes, <laughs> I've already made a note. <laughs> oh. yeah, I am. Well, so so the car that I, the vehicle that I have for our podcast, um, for us to go camping and transport all of our things, is a minivan. Um, I, I looked at cooler cars, um, like SUVs and trucks and things, but the gas mileage and the space I, I could have inside the van just beat everybody out. Um, so I don't really have a, a sweet name for the van though. It actually came from my sister. Um, but we call it the Vangina. 
never let you down i'm still we still find cubbies and and extra pockets and things in this in this van that I, i've had it for two years and at the end of last season we're cleaning out all the camping stuff and then we find a cubby in the floor i'm like did you know this was here that's no nope. molly's like no it's your car no of course i didn't know it was there uh, uh, but yeah no i my grandpa works for chrysler so i grew up being a big fan of the uh, the dodge family mm-hmm. very cool like Dick Van Dyke. I've, I've yes. heard a couple of bands. Oh, that's great. That's, that's great awesome. Oh, I like that. Oh, and no, you're if running, it was White, Van um, White would be a great name. That would be, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, but I, I won't steal that from your beautiful truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you are running that gorgeous, gorgeous, uh, like, red, shiny Dodge SRT Hellcat. Um, paint scheme this not this next race here at Lucas Oil Races right because that was gorgeous so we what I love not most but again like even on the aesthetic part of working with Dodge is every I'd say every year they come out with multiple new variant variants variants of cars and uh, Mm -hmm. We, whether it's the 1320 scat pack which is a dedicated like drag race edition of uh of the challenger and this year even through covid they had debuted the dodge srt hellcat wide body red eye um charger and so well i mean what better way than to use some of the marketing assets that you have which is my teammate matt hagan in a funny car and myself hostile dragster and Really, I think they blew it out of the park. But oh, yeah. A bright chrome red with flat matte, um, you know, accents. And then, of course, the eye for the red eye, which that stands for the 797 horsepower that the red eye car puts on the street. <laughs> it's just, whew, that's a lot. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, the- it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful vehicle. And, so for us to, you know, personify that on the racetrack in these very powerful cars is cool. And what's even better, I mean, like all of that aside, one thing to come out swinging with something that looks good, and then you've got to, you really got to back it up and you got to run well. So yeah. we we qualified well at the last race. Uh, number two, we had a semifinal finish. My teammate, Matt, he made it to the finals and it got rained out. So he'll, he has, you know, he needs to finish that up with a win uh, yep. when they when they run the final round, which actually won't be at this next indie race. It is moved on into the U.S. Nationals, which is the race that we always have here in Indy, uh, which is the weekend of Labor Day. And so, yeah. like, I of course I'm gonna I'm rooting on uh, the red the red eye, but he's against uh, our other DSR teammate in the final. So it's a, it'll be a win for all there. But the car yeah. looks good and. Yeah, uh, the next time that you'd see a non-red-eye top field dragster that I'm in will be a really cool, crisp, pearl, white, and chrome Ooh. blue uh, for the Mopar side of things, which is the, the high-performance side of Dodge. And uh, That's going to be really pretty, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that red one, oh, my gosh, that car is sexy. It, I mean, so how the paint scheme took away... It took your breath away, and then the speed also just took your breath away. <laughs> <laughs> I try 
wrestling match on the girl side of things, I, I, I don't, I've never been one for manicures or anything like that, but I do get my nails done and gel is the only thing that holds up to nitro. Hey. Yeah. And nothing, like not the dip, not acrylic, not uh-uh. regular gel. Actually, you know, it, it can fight against break clean, nitromethane, everything. So, so to prepare for like a weekend, like this last one, we debuted, I had all black with, uh, with two red tips that, uh, cool. that just, you know, you bring it all together. It's, that's, that's kind of a fun portion for me. And some of the fans have caught on to that and they'll, uh, I'll let them know what's coming for the weekend and some fans will get their nails done the same as me. And like, I just love seeing that it just shows, you know, the connectivity that you can have with your fans on a whole bunch of different levels. That's awesome. That's, um, cool. I actually, so Molly and I, um, during the month of May, um, well, gel actually doesn't quite hold up enough for us. Well, yeah, our normal month of May, which didn't happen this year. So maybe in the month of August, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, I tend to do gel nails throughout the year because, um, at work it, it's what holds up the best. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll tend to do acrylic. And so I sometimes, especially during that month, cause I tend to do my nails, like I'll paint them at home. Um, have done it to match my match favorite driver's car paint scheme. So that's funny. I, I, right. I'm like, I thoroughly appreciate that. I've done that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and that's I would fun. appreciate the heads up like, Hey, this is what the livery is going to look like. Okay, cool. I yes. got an appointment Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. Exactly. Oh, and you know, it's just, it's funny. It's very funny being a female at a racetrack because there are, so many things that aren't stereotypically female that you do. And then it almost seems, it almost feels out of character when you do something that is stereotypically female. <laughs> right. And that's, maybe it's a one-up that we get to have on the guys. Is, that's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> yeah. And we try, I mean, I, so I always find it a, a different type of question. Like, how does it feel to be a female in a male dominated sport and I'm like well I'm a female in a male prevalent sport um, yeah it's not necessarily dominated by them the majority number of members and people I work with and fan base wise might be but um and my typical answer is well like I've always been a female so I really don't know any different it, <laughs> it, 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 it feels the same as when I was racing a junior which ironically was 60 percent females there were more little girls <laughs> racing than boys and as you get older and you get into higher speeds and you know clearly life takes its path and um, more traditional roles are are made but I, I always find it to where I do like I like beating everybody and I mean I definitely <laughs> like I mean I like beating the girls just as much as I like beating the boys but the boys take it way harder oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> Chauvinism still exists out there. Um, I will, I'll say that, but it's, I, again, with the positive perspective on things, mm-hmm. it's, it's so cool to, to be able to relate and, and help, let's just say for the Mopar CAP program, which is mm-hmm. a career program that I've now been a part of it for so long. I've seen girls that have come to the racetrack. They have interest in motorsports and in the automotive career, didn't know where to go, where to look, it's, given them, you know, a, a direction with a with a trade school and then how to get certified and then how to work at dealerships so that they are, you know, the number one top pick for an industry of master technicians that are 
needed. I mean, 50,000 jobs are needed by 2024. And so to be able to relate to them and then show them, not even talk about that, talk about it, but show them that there is a path for, for women in this industry and in all of automotive industry and that it's, it's equal for everybody and that you can succeed has been very, it's, it's been very cool. And it's, uh, served, it served very well. And I'm very proud to be a part of those programs um, that really are life-changing for everybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's, it, it is. Um, it's a, it's a special privilege to be able to, to provide that opportunity and to be able to show, you know, other women, Hey, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is a route you can go, you know, it's okay to be into cars, this and this, you know, and like, here's other people who have been successful and like, yeah. here's how you do it, you know, that's super cool. Exactly. That's, that's a very awesome program. Very awesome. Okay. So, um, I, one of the, um, articles that I say that Pat sent us about you, um, so we could, so we could prep for this. Um, you talked about, you know, how people sometimes compare drivers, you know, in like NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One to NHRA and how, you know, they're, they drive for longer, et cetera. And you had a, a quote that, you know, it was like, well, yeah, but if they don't pass somebody on this lap, they get another chance on the next lap. Whereas you guys have, you said you guys have to basically be perfect every single time. Correct. And Ironically, I've actually had that this after that. I don't even know where that quote had ended up at, but it definitely ended up somewhere very prominent because I've spoken with a couple of the NASCAR drivers about it. That in the first read of the first part of the sentence, it's a little bit taken, you know, take, taken back. Mm-hmm. But then once it comes together, uh, the other drivers have a better understanding of it and go, "You're you're absolutely right." And it doesn't take away from what they do, and it doesn't make what we oh, do. Yeah. And any bigger or, or any less, it's just the dynamics. So they have to maintain, yeah. let's just take a NASCAR driver. They have to maintain a certain level of intensity and, and talent for a very long time, hours and hours and hundreds of laps. Um, but there is a, you know, they, they can spot moments of opportunity or moments of mistakes and, and work on them in real time where we do not, we don't, we don't, we have that real time and it's very, very short. And so I think it's, I can, if I were to compare it to athleticism, it would be kind of like the Olympics, not near, I mean, all the respect to them, but just from a time standpoint, they they train for three years and, you know, for that one summer or that one winter. And we, you know, we work all all week and and all month for, sometimes you get one qualifying time because of rain or something. And, and it's down to those, from the time the motor starts to turning off the track, it's actually about two minutes of time, but in the actual run, it's 3.6 seconds. So the margin of room for error is so minuscule. So that's the point of, uh, of that quote that I had was it shoves all of their intensity into a small little package. But yeah. mm-hmm. we run around for three hours sweating, you know, everything out and trying to maintain high positive um, function. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're still, oh, yeah. you're still just as intense off of the track, but yeah, it's all, all of your, you know, that, that competitive run is just so shortened into you know, 3.6 seconds and, you know, and one tiny mistake rather than it, you know, messing up a 
couple of laps, like it messes up your whole run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And luckily for us, we're not a touching sport. We're not a, you know, rubbing races, you know, rubbing racing. That's not a, you rub rubbing some, you rub the wall, you're disqualified. You rub the center line, you're disqualified. You know, the car with, you you know, you're more than disqualified. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's cool is the respect factor that most of us have between the, the different sports and elements. And people will ask me, well, have you ever thought about going into IndyCar or NASCAR? Like, the the discipline, you know, I haven't harnessed that. And it's just like one of, you know, one of those drivers getting in a top fuel car. Same thing. Just because we're professional race car drivers, we're not, we're not versed in that discipline. So we'd have to start just like anybody, given we might have, you know, uh, a head start because we're familiar with speed, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you might start out in the advanced classes, but you're still going to have to do some remedial work. Absolutely. Yeah. So the respect there all the way around. But the, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You miss your you miss your light. You've messed up that that. You know, if that's first round, well, you've you've lost not only that race, but your chance for round two and to three and four and points and everything. So one little one hit of the throttle is you know is everything. Yeah. 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 I think it's definitely. I think your attitude is fantastic, especially with how intense. Um, NHRA is because yeah because of that reason <laughs> but yeah one <laughs> one mistake on round one and you're you're done for the rest yep. of the day yeah there goes your day and I'm sure that's fun <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you sometimes you're you know on so on Sundays typically our our start time is 11 a.m. when the national anthem is sung and uh, fighters fly over and uh, the jumper jumps out from a plane and fire the engines at at 11:01 your first pair out man your day can end at 1102 uh yeah you have a good day and you're celebrating you have a great day and you're celebrating the winter circle and popping some bottles and 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 wearing medals and hoisting trophies at you know at 5 30 so it's uh it all wins feel amazing but um I, i what i guess where i wanted to go before that was I've been with a lot of different teams and uh, and a lot of different crew chiefs and seen how different drivers react to different things mentally where, you know, if you're a hard crew chief on your driver or a hard, I'll just a team owner on your driver, some drivers take that well and they can, uh, you know, they can turn that into good results or there's some other ones that, you know, positive criticism breeds more positive results. And so no, no two drivers are the same, probably in any series. We all have different mm-hmm. buttons that get us going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think once you get a formula that works well, and that's why you see crew chiefs that are with drivers and for a long period of time, because they figured each other out and they know how to encourage each other. And when things go bad, how to, uh, you know, address the problem situation, analyze it, find a solution, move on from there and, uh, and, and get back after it again, instead of dwelling on the bad things or you find something that works and then put that in your little, whether it's a, a book you actually write down call it your diary, call it in the back <laughs> of your brain, whatever. But um, it's a run sheet you can go back to. And chemistry is, chemistry is definitely everything too. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know you've definitely got to have good chemistry with that person because when you're basically trusting trusting your life to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and on a driver's side, knowing that 
You know, if you mess up a run by too long or too short of a burnout, uh, you know, can't get it in gear, uh, your clutch is too hot, which is going to cause you to smoke the tires, you don't leave the line on time or too early, you're also costing their livelihood too of, you know, their their bonus structure and their chance for a championship. Oh. And so it all comes, you know, the drive, they always, the crews across the board kind of always joke that, hey, we gave you, we gave you a race car, you know, well running race car. And when we gave it to you, that's <laughs> the car, it was running perfect. And you, you brought it back and it's all blown up. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's great. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just funny. But was the win <laughs> it on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, listen, look, this is a team effort. <laughs> Very cool. That's fantastic. Um, So um, Lake Havasu City, by the way, sounds like a gorgeous place to live. It it is it is definitely gorgeous, and I think we all have you know our own opinions of what we think is beautiful. And for me, growing up in Southern California by San Bernardino, Mm -hmm. a desert person, and when I chose to leave Indianapolis, I was like, where do I want? to live and I say live with quotes because the typical schedule for me is being on the road like 250 days a year where do I want to call home that I get to stop in every once in a while yeah <laughs> and that lake to surf on and uh so Havasu is pretty unique to where you can ride UTVs and off-road vehicles on the street and oh, that's cool so you ride out the driveway you can take your Can-Am or Razor or whatever you've got your fan rail and drive down the street and uh, you can go to your Mexican joint and get a nice cool taco and burger or dip into the <laughs> dip into the mouth of the desert and go haul butt for hours and hours and hours jumping and, and off of cliffs and riding dunes and and it's just it's a place for massive amounts of activity and for motorsports and I believe per capita like we're the hot rod culture of the nation I mean there's no humidity. So got really cool classic cars that are there. You've got a lot of hot rod, high performance shops that are there, sweeping up cars. And uh, I mean, you'll see more bikes and Bel Airs and and old Mustangs and uh, cool, you know, Chargers that are just rolling down than you would see conventional cars because a it's a reti- it's w- typically it's a retirement place. Forty percent uh-huh. of the uh, residents or snowbirds and then be hotter than heck it's i think today's like 118 degrees there so uh place (laughs) yeah that's That's very cool cool. and you're yeah you've got water water close by for wakeboarding yes i'm about Four, less than four miles from where i can put the my the boat in the water and what I like to do, and so if anyone is listening that is into water sports, I had gone away from wakeboarding, which is about what you would ride at 20 miles an hour or so, which means mm-hmm. you have to fall at 20 miles an hour or so. <laughs> yep. It's hurt, and your board is attached to you. Boot. So yeah. in the last decade, the sport of wake surfing has definitely gotten very popular, and I've been doing it for about five years. And it's basically, it's a very small surfboard, like 51, 53 inch. And you have a dedicated boat, uh, a surf boat, be a 
Supra, Nautique, uh, Mastercraft, Malibu, that has a whole design that puts out an immediate wake behind mm-hmm. the boat, like immediately, like a foot back, two foot back, and your wake, the wave itself, and it depends on how you set up the boat and tune it from your setting standpoint, how you load ballast, water ballast into it, um, and, you know, offset the weight of the weight of the boat if you're regular goofy footed. So you have this massive <laughs> perpetual wave behind the boat and you take your surfboard and you start when you're in the water, you're connected to a rope with your hands and that's what pulls you up onto your board, uh, a board that you're not connected to and throw the rope in and then you just get to surf the wave that's behind the boat. It's like surfing in the ocean but never having to paddle out to the surf. That's fantastic. Very nice. <laughs> really cool. When yeah, you that fall, sounds like a lot of fun. You're only going like eight miles an hour. So when you fall, like you're, and at that point, you probably have stopped down to like two or three miles an hour. So it's very non-intrusive. And I think that's why it's become very popular for kids to learn. And then mm. for you know, people that think, oh, I'm too old to do water sports. Actually, I beg to differ. I taught a 75-year-old how to water surf, how to wake surf um, not too long ago. So <laughs> that's <cool>. fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds very fun. And, but, and you can just fall better when you're not attached to the board. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah you don't have that, like, belly flop, <clears throat> face smack, yeah, like, lobotomy with, with water. Um, exactly the types of injuries you probably see in the summer as a nurse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and i i enjoy water sports so i'll say the types of injuries i have i have acquired uh, <laughs> oh, oh we're having a veteran <laughs> oh i am i am i'm i'm really good hurting myself i usually do pretty good in the water but uh but yeah i had i had an incident with cliff cliff jumping <laughs> nothing was broken except my pride but <laughs> but i would i was bruised from like knee to hip uh, uh. But, but yeah, the water is so much fun. So, um, well, and plus with as fast as you go, I say the uh, the the wake surfing probably feels very slow and just graceful and peaceful to you. It totally does, and the competitive nature in it is okay. Well, how can I be better? Well, to be better is to carve harder, whip faster, try tricks, shove it, pushes, three sixties, one eighties. 540s so there's so there's right just like anything you start to do something and then you just want to be better and better and better i'm like yeah, oh, yeah. you're not a professional uh-huh. wake sir <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like you can just come out here yeah, you can just come out here and fuck around you don't have to try and win yes yeah, just out there having fun enjoying ourselves <laughs> very cool so it's uh if no one's ever been like have to a great destination spot to go and uh you know, you can rent off-road vehicles there. I even had a, I'd wanted to start a business out there, actually, OP Surf and Sport, and provide people with the opportunity to wake surf, kind of like a charter business. But uh, mm. I have that time. And then I, before I lived there, I didn't realize how windy it is. So wow. it that is not a sport to be doing when it's windy. The water is very choppy. And uh, so the elements kind of got in the way of that. But who knows, you know, maybe I'll different place in, in the nation, maybe in Indy, to start something like that. <laughs> there you well, there you go. Unless it's a tornado, it's not too bad out here. <laughs> right, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That is true. 
Oh, well, we, we don't want to take up too much of your time. <clears throat> so thank you again so very much for chatting with us. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we go? Oh, really? Obviously, we want to let people know where they can find you um, on social media. Sure <laughs> thing. Absolutely. I think we covered a lot of great, um, great aspects here. I'm very much connected with the, with the fan base on Instagram the most. That's Leah.Pruitt. Um, I respond to DMs and I've been doing virtual autograph sessions lately to where if they tag me in a photo, uh, like, you know, from the track or autograph card that they have or something, then I'll, I'll screenshot it, sign it, send it back to them and, uh, and operate with it in that way. So Instagram, which is Leah.Pruitt, uh, on Twitter, Leah.Pruitt underscore TF and on Facebook, Leah.Pruitt TF. And, uh, I'd like to, I give all the race results, uh, you know, a preview of the livery we're going to run that weekend. And I try and sprinkle in there, you know, the highlights that we've had of, of the weekend, whether it's something that happened with the crew that I thought was funny or a trial and tribulation that we had. Like last weekend, we had uh, some debris that we ran over at 300 miles an hour and it punctured my tire that I was very fortunate enough that the tire didn't shred and take out the wing mm-hmm. and cause some damage. So, it's a lot you know i try and give viewers an insight to things that they might not see on tv and uh yeah and i I love to hear feedback so appreciate all the follows and i know that mopar cap just started an instagram and then for all things dodge motorsports related they have a dodge mopar motorsports so i'm pretty sure it's probably enough for everybody to find what we're doing excellent (laughs) we will definitely definitely be tagging you So we'll definitely be tagging you on all of our social media um, and you can find everything and all links to us at fastcarsfastgirls.com. Um, <laughs> and we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, Ooh, kind of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. I know. We had lots of great ideas for TikToks to do at, the tr- at tracks this year. Um, and then, you know. That, that have been thwarted. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, you can find everything, um, and you can even listen directly to our podcast um, from our website, fastcarsfastgirls.com. So, well, again, Leah, thank you so much. Um, we will definitely see you at uh, the U.S. Nationals. Yeah, we, uh, we're out of town for for the next race. We'll definitely see you at the U.S. Nationals, and for all of our listeners, <clears throat> this will be my 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 white flag. Um, we did find out that that all of the main events are called nationals because there are smaller regional events leading up. So we, we did have that question answered. Oh, okay. Well, good. Lots of nationals, lots of nationals, yeah. but there's only one world. Okay. That's, That's true. true. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. You ladies so much for having me on. Thanks for everybody listening and uh, look forward to seeing you both at the Indy U.S. Nationals. <laughs> we will see you there. Thanks again, Leah. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.